0: Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in
1: the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. Hey
0: everyone, welcome back to another episode of the East Meets West Hunt podcast brought to you by Onyx. On today's episode, I am joined by one of my good buddies and one of my favorite people to talk to, Clint Casper. It's easy to see why I think this way through his enthusiasm and positive attitude. We talk about some hunting stories, dealing with crazy weather, going mentally all in, setting goals and never settling, type two fun, and a story of how he found success on a herd bull elk in a high pressured Utah unit. So this episode is brought to you by Onyx. The Onyx Hunt app is your premier GPS hunting app that turns your phone into a working GPS. By using the offline feature, you can use your downloaded maps in the field without service in airplane mode to conserve battery and always know where you are. If you want to check out the Onyx Hunt app for yourself, head over to onyxmaps.com. Use the coupon code EMW to save 20%. Tethered is a company that's founded on the principles of educating the hunting community on saddle hunting while creating the most innovative, lightweight, safe products for saddle hunting. They have mobile hunting gear options for all types of hunters and continue to push the envelope. I will be at another Tethered Teach and Train event this weekend, August the 14th, 2021, for uh, Teach and Train event at bucks and bows archery in gibsonia pennsylvania just north of pittsburgh from 10 to 2 p.m stop by it's a free event i will be there along with john eberhart and i'll have a booth set up with all of my apparel there for sale and just getting to talk saddle hunting and whatever other kind of gear you guys want to talk about so stop there and if you want to learn more about tethered and saddle hunting outside of that head over to tetherednation.com Maven is building the highest quality optics at half of the price of their competitors through their direct to consumer business model. They want to create the best optics for the job, period. The products are back with a lifetime, no fault warranty, and an incredible customer experience. I'm using the B2 9x45 binos on all of my Western hunts. It is a low-light monster, allowing you to see through the binos longer than you can with your naked eye. You can use the coupon code EASTMEETSWEST-GIFT for a free gift with any full-price optics order at mavenbilt.com. And last but not least, Spartan Forge utilizes years of military background and machine learning to pull from millions of data points to accurately predict deer movement including GPS data, 30 years of weather, academic, and state research. They're using science rather than someone's opinion to figure out movement for your specific hunting area so that you make sure you are hunting on the best days. The Outfitter is available online currently and will become an app soon. The price will increase at that point, but if you buy it now, you are locked into the lower rate. So you can use the code East West to save 25% off of the outfitter at SpartanForge.ai. On this week's Mountain Buck Story of the Week, or otherwise known as Mountain Buck Monday, over on social media, find photos from this story at East West Hunt on Instagram and East West Outdoors on Facebook. So this story comes from Ryan McNichol and it comes from Pennsylvania. The day before my rut trip, my sister got sick and I couldn't go to the mountain house because the family living there being in their seventies, my buddy and I had days off and decided to go to his boss's camp and hunt the public land there. I'd been there once the weekend before and just quickly scouted because my plan revolved around the mountains. With that being out of the window, I did a speed scout for the first morning and the best spot seemed like doe traffic. I was always told to hunt the does for a buck in November. I went in that afternoon with a hang-on and set up thinking I wouldn't see anything until the last hour with all the heat. This was November the 5th, so if you remember that, it was very hot. At 4.15, I saw this guy heading towards a scrape at 15 yards, and then he turned down the hill I was on, and that's when I saw the doe. I would one shooting lane at 30 yards, but he grunted and ran by it. I drew, and he stopped, and in my head said 20, put my pin on him, and shot. I went back to the house and waited for my buddy, and a couple hours later, we found him just 100 yards away. And this buck, if you, again, check out the photo, beautiful Pennsylvania eight pointer, nice, mature looking buck. uh, Just awesome story. Been able, you know, that Ryan was able to adjust on the fly into a new area and get the job done. So nice work, Ryan. Pretty, pretty awesome. And keep those mountain buck stories coming. I love hearing them. I love getting them in. So send them my way and I'll be sure to share them. And the the only other news I have really this week is the Blaze orange mountain buck patch hats and also the Freedom Flag patch hats that have been out of stock are now back in my store and ready to ship. The Blaze hats, I haven't been able to get, well, since last year and I sold out in 7 days. But I got more this time, so hopefully it lasts a little bit longer. But if you head over to eastmeetswesthunt.com shop and check out all of my apparel there, I donate 3% of the sales, not the proceeds of sales, to conserv- conservation organization of my choice for the quarter, which this quarter will be the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. So check that out. And if you feel like supporting the show with some badass apparel, then uh, give that a shout. So on today's episode, as I said, I have Clint Casper coming on, and this is the episode that if you listen to it now, you need to replay this when you're driving out west and going on a hunt, because I promise you, if you don't want to just get after it in the mountains after listening to Clint talk, then you we probably won't get along. He is, he is one of the, the best people for motivating others, and he just has such a positive attitude. It's infectious, so... I I really enjoyed this one with Clint, and I think all of you will as well. So that being said, let's uh, jump into this episode with Clint Casper. All right, we're live, Clint Casper. Welcome back, buddy, my
1: man. Bo, it feels good to be back. Gosh dang, it's been a long time—way too long. I Way know, too long. You've uh, you've kind of you've kind of shunned me off the podcast. You know, like I made one comment about. Colby and I getting kind of close and being really tight and having our own animal shelter. Next thing I know, I don't get invited on. I don't hear from you. It's like, I I mean, I don't know. Like, maybe we need to talk on air and just figure this all out. Because I just feel like you kind of, you kind of shunned me out a little bit.
0: You know, maybe, maybe we should just air it out right here. You know, it's, it's one of those things. Yeah, you were getting too close to my girlfriend. I had to be like, you okay. know. I gotta People I gotta I, I gotta keep Clint Casper is a snake and you gotta keep him away from anything that you care about.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I mean, and that goes for hunting units, women, I mean just anything that you really care about. Like don't loan him a trail camera. I mean, yeah, I, I get it. I get it, dude. I get it.
0: <laughs> well, no, it's it's funny because so, yeah, the last time we recorded was when you were at my house when you came and stayed for the weekend and uh, that was yeah. last that was last yep. summer. So yeah, it's been a while. And I was supposed to do one with you about a month and a half well, ago. I
1: say, we, right. Yeah, you need to tell that story. Like that was, oh man, I, I'm getting all pumped up for this podcast. Next thing I know, you're stranded with, 87 things gone bad in montana and i'm just like man you can't even make this shit up
0: no i was stuck in the bozeman airport for 48 hours trying to get home and just had to miss work and all this other stuff that was just terrible and everyone at work thought i was like somehow found something to hunt and i was making up the story i'm like guys i really wish i was doing something cool but i'm sitting in an airport just trying to get home (laughs) i never thought i'd want to leave montana but I did.
1: That's, I was, I went to Colorado a few years ago to scout a unit and this, these terrible storms blew in. Um, it was like hail and thunder and lightning, but like severe, severe, like, I mean, they, they blew in for hours. My flight gets delayed. Well then something's wrong with the plane. So long story short, I sat in the Denver airport, which mind you, for those who don't know, I'm a huge craft beer guy and there's 8 million craft beer spots in that airport um needless to say for 17 hours i was in the denver colorado airport i tried every craft beer known to man at least three times almost maxed pretty much about bankrupted myself um i was drunk and sober at least five times back to back so i'd i'd get buzzed and then go to sober get something to eat and then go back drink more i mean that's what i did for 17 hours I didn't look at a craft beer for probably a month, and I honestly didn't even want to hear the word Colorado for a few weeks till I went back on my hunt. I mean, it was was one of those deals where I was like, I couldn't wait to leave that state, and I love that state because there's giant mule deer there.
0: (laughs) I didn't know that story. That's hilarious. (laughs)
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, man. It was bad. Like, I mean, you know, my work's calling. They're mad. We got this big project going on, and I told him I'd be back, and- they don't believe me. And I'm like, you know, look it up. I'm like, look, you could watch the storms roll in and roll out. Like, you know, so like I brought my plane tickets home and showed them like, you know, there, there was no option. I was stuck. I mean, there was, there was no flights. Like, you know, everyone is laying in the airport. Most of them are like using their time wisely, like, you know, sleeping or reading a book. Meanwhile, I'm getting tanked up over at the local microbrewery, but Hey, I had a hell of a good time by myself. Met a lot of cool people. You know, uh, it is what it is. Like I said, I I had a great time. Um, I just wasn't able to drink craft beer for a month because I literally had tried every kind known to man in that airport three times over again. I could
0: could imagine how you were. Like, I, I know you and I could see you just like sitting at the bar talking to everybody around you, just like having a good old time.
1: What? It's kind of funny. I So Colorado, as everyone knows, you know, it's, it's kind of a hippie state. Uh, actually, a ton of anti-hunters there. I met this chick. She was from Arkansas. Name was Maggie. And um, huge anti-hunter. Somehow I get connected with her. We end up at like three breweries together. We're bullshitting. And she notices. So I've got a sleeve on my left arm uh, of a bunch of stuff that I've killed with my bow. You know, turkeys, bear, mule deer, whitetail, elk, et cetera. She notices that she's like, oh, you love wildlife. I'm like, uh, well, I mean, yes, like, yeah, I love them, but maybe not like in the way you're thinking, you know, and then we get to talking and long story short, in a seven hour span, we went from sober and she didn't want to talk to me anymore because she hates hunters to at the end, she was like, you know what? My dad asked me to go hunting with him every year. I might go this year because honestly, I I have a new profound respect her hunters and i feel like he's like you like i really felt like i did something there maybe it's just because she was half drunk the whole time and that's how i persuaded her into kind of looking at it from another viewpoint but maggie from arkansas if you are listening maybe you listen to both podcasts now i don't know if you are listening hello i hope you're doing well we had a hell of a good time for seven hours at all the breweries and she was gonna maybe give hunting like a second chance so i mean that was one really cool thing that come out of it.
0: I thought you were going to say, yeah, and uh, now she's living in Ohio with me, and uh, <laughs> we got one on the way. So
1: really, what you, really what you thought you were going to say was, I was going to say was, well, I've probably got a kid now in Arkansas running around somewhere that looks like me, come out with tattoos, but I, I haven't yet found him. But, no, I'm just kidding. But, yeah, no, it's uh, needless <laughs> to say. I know what you mean about the airport deal. Everyone thinks it would be awesome to sit and – quote unquote party for a whole day at the airport, but it's honestly not that fun when it's you and you're literally stuck there for almost an entire day. It's, yeah. it's honestly, uh, it gets old real quick.
0: Yeah, no, I, yeah, I completely understand there. And what, so I, last year, uh, we didn't, we didn't, I mean, we talked on the phone about it. We haven't talked about it on the podcast at all, but you, you had some real bad weather problems in Colorado on your hunt as well. Didn't you? Yeah. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I started off last year and, um, went to Utah, went and, um, hooked up with my good buddy, Devin Leonard. Um, shout out to Devin. He runs a Hunter's box club for those, um, those listeners probably, well, actually, Bo, you've done some stuff with us over Hunter's box club. So listeners probably know what I'm talking about. Yep. Um, but went over and hunted with Devin. Um, he was chasing a giant early season, went over and, and basically, uh, just went over to help him come back home for like a week and then headed out kind of usually every year I end up drawing a Colorado tag somewhere. I go out there solo. It's kind of my favorite hunt of the year. I usually always do that one solo, jump in my truck and make the 30 hour, 28 hour, depending on where I'm going in the state trip. Um, got to my unit, new unit this year. I've never stepped foot in it to scout anything. Got in there and it's ninety degrees. Uh normal early season Colorado. In the high country, it's in the seventies, eighties, you know, um normal. Thank God for the Garmin Inreach Mini and the weather alerts. Um two and a half days into my hunt, my inreach starts blowing up. Um weather alerts. Um I'm getting text messages from my buddies in Colorado, from people back home. Um everyone is like you know, basically losing their mind that they haven't heard from me yet, that I'm on way home, and I'm like, uh, did I miss something? Like, you know, what, what's, I'm, I'm confused here. Start looking at the weather alerts, and there's this giant snowstorm blowing in. Um, I started packing out the, so I had hunted for two days, moved camp like four times, um, scouted two days, hunted two days. I moved camp three or four times, was just kind of starting to get into some bucks. Um, and all hell breaks loose. The supposed to be 12 to 14 inches of snow up overnight. Temperature is going to go from mid seventies down into the twenties. Well, the main concern is the roads that I took in my truck to get up over these passes with all the snow, they're going to close them. So if you don't get out of there in time, you get locked in you're pretty much shit out of luck. Like the mountain roads close and if you're in there, you're in there. Um, A lot of them will get opened back up with dozers and stuff, but that's not till after the storm. So you're pretty much going to ride it out. So now I've got to make this decision on, okay, am I staying in here? Am I riding this out? Or am I going to have to do the unthinkable, which is I'm going to have to cut this hunt short and then I'm going to basically have to um, leave and go home and and tack on more days to my next hunt coming up, which would be my Utah elk hunt. So now I'm in this like makeshift mind movement of what to do. Well, I mean, not many people go into an early season archery hunt prepared for possibly 20 degree weather and getting dumped on with snow. Um, my tent set up was, I had big Agnes um, tiger wall. It's a little two person. I think I've got it cut down to under two pounds, everything. Awesome little backpacking tent for what I do early. It is not the tent you want in a snow and ice storm. It is not the tent you want on the side of a mountain when it's 19 degrees. I mean, it's just, so that kind of alone pretty much ruled out my thought of staying and trying to just tough it out. Um, So ended up having to pack up that day. Luckily, got out of there just as the storm was rolling in ended up being, I forget what the total amount of inches was in that area. I want to say it was like 14, 15. I mean, it was a shitload. Um, you know, they haven't seen anything like that that early and I forget how many years. So realistically, probably a great idea, um, on my part that I did get out of there. It was the longest ride home of my life. I mean, it, it, I was devastated the entire time. I know I talked to you. Yeah. Um, well, at least a couple times. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, it was, it was very disheartening because, I look forward to that hunt probably the most every year, but I had to make a good judgment call. It all worked out in the end because I tacked on days to my elk hunt. I ended up needing those days. I didn't kill my bull until the extended part of my hunt. And if I wouldn't have had those days, I wouldn't have got him killed. So it did all work out. Um, Needless to say that weather. um, Yeah. Wow. I mean, that was um, no one saw that coming. That kind of popped out of thin air, but it just goes to show you how fast stuff can happen um, out West in high elevations and, and, you know, up in the mountains like that. I mean, like I said, there was no prediction that a week prior to me going out there, it wasn't like I knew that could happen and just wasn't prepared. Like that was not supposed to take place, but lo and behold, um, as my luck sometimes shows it, uh, that's what happened. <laughs>
0: yeah, man. And that's a, that's, that's such disheartening. I mean, I could hear it in your voice. Like you were just distraught uh, coming it was
1: home. Awful. <laughs> Oh, dude, it was terrible. Terrible. I would have rather have missed a buck on the last day, but knew I gave it my all, knew I had my opportunity and it's all on me. Like I just, I just effed up and missed. Like that's all, like I can, I could live with that, but to have a whole hunt taken away from you and you have absolutely no control over it. Like that's what killed me. It still kills me to talk about it. Like it just, we're gonna have to talk about something else, Bo, because it just it just makes me mad to even talk about it. I
0: know, and and especially because like <laughs> that podcast we did right before you left last year or a couple months before, yep. like you know, we were talking about the hard yep. things you deal with on these hunts and talking about your two thousand oh, yeah. and uh um was it nineteen, your mule deer buck, the yep. giant you killed in Colorado and like yep all these highs. And then you talked about in that podcast, some of the lows that you deal with that are just out of your control. Sometimes. Well, you got hit with it harder than just about anybody could.
1: Yeah, that was a tough one, man. I mean, it was, um, it was tough to mentally deal with that, but I, it was funny. I kind of told myself on the way back, I'm like, well, here's what you're going to do. Like you're going to let yourself kind of pout and be upset. Um, while you're driving back as soon as you get home that's it colorado's done we're now moving on to utah elk that's just that's the end that's it like we're we're i i made it a point to where as soon as my tires hit my driveway back home there was no more colorado mule deer like that was it i was i was leaving it i was gonna pout and be upset and be pissed and be mad and smack the steering wheel the whole way home for 30 hours but once i got to my driveway That was in the rear view. And now we're going to focus on Utah elk. And and I think that was important um, to kind of give myself time to like be mad, be pissed off. But then there was a cutoff point of, okay, when we get back, that's it. There is no more thinking about what could have been or what should have been or or whatever. Now we're going to worry about the next one. And I mean, that goes for, you know, you're on day four of a 10 day hunt and you have a miss or something bad happens or your, your, your camp gets raided by a bear or whatever happens. Like you're at that turning point now where it's like, okay, you're either going to let negativity take over or you're going to harness everything and control it. I just made a post about this last night on Instagram. Cause I've had so many people ask me about how do you endure the tough moments in a hunt and keep it all together. And it's like, you've got a choice, you know, when shit hits the fan, you've got a choice. You're either, you're, now you're going to go mentally all in and you're going to kick it in another gear and you're going to figure it out and you're going to punch adversity right in the teeth or you're going to let negativity creep in and sooner or later it's going to kill you off. But that's your choice. You've got that choice. It's 50-50. You've got that option. And I mean, and you've been on tough hunts. I've been on tough hunts. I mean, you like, you know what I'm talking about because there comes a point in time where you mentally have to just stop doing what you're doing and really sit there and go, okay, all right, self how bad do I want this? Like, where am I at now? Like it's right now we, it's the turning point. We're either turning back or we're going to turn forward and kick it in another gear. So that was kind of one of those turning, that was a turning point in my hunting season right there was, okay, we're going to forget Colorado. It's done. And now we're going to get focused and ready to go chase bulls. Um, you know, as, as I hate to say it, but over the years I've learned, you know, I, I've had a hunt where I left didn't give it my all, left a day early, kind of gave up on myself. And it's only happened once in my life. And and on the way home, I've never been more disappointed in myself in my whole life. And I vowed right there, like never again. Like I might come home, not punch a tag. I might miss, I might completely bomb and fail at every goal I had for the hunt. But as long as I gave it my all and stuck it out and did not quit, didn't settle, I'm okay with that. But the one time that I really gave up It's only happened once and I'm like, that'll never happen again. But it was, it was, I'm glad it happened though, because I now think about that and how I felt and I, I just refuse. I will not let myself go back to that. I mean, just absolutely for a whole year, I had to sit and think about how I gave up and how I quit and what could have been different or what could have happened. Had I stayed, toughed it out, et cetera. Like, oh, no, dude, I I just like, I could never do that again, man. That was the worst. That was the longest 365 days of my life was like waiting to redeem myself from that.
0: Yeah, dude. And the thing is like every time that I talked to you and and one of the reasons like I I felt like we've become such close friends is like your attitude towards things is like I think just about anybody should take note of it because like having that positive attitude and, and the thing is like what you had said is. You didn't like, it's not like you just like, okay, it happened. And you're just like, all right, change of pace. Now you let yourself like dwell in it for a minute. And sometimes you got to do that. You got to, yeah. it's like going through yep. like a bad breakup. You got to, you got to understand it. Oh, yeah. You got to, you got to feel yep. those feelings yep. and then it's time yep. to, it's time to turn it off. And, and you helped me through that last year, like with, or at least you didn't, weren't like physically talking to me, but like, I, I thought of you in my head when I, and when my whitetail hunt, when I drew back on the, the biggest buck that I've, that I've ever hunted and, oh, yeah. and never got the shot off. And I would, I threw myself yep. a pity party for a couple of minutes, but I made myself climb into a tree that evening, no matter how good or bad the tree was just to start like reset, yep. you got to reset.
1: Yep. Well, I remember talking to you after that. Um, I talked to you. You texted me about what happened, and I didn't get to talk to you till a day or two later. And I knew going into that call, like I just I knew that was gonna, you know, that was a. Well, number one, I knew how big the deer was. I mean, you had showed me pics. Yeah. I knew, you know, I knew what was at stake there. What what especially for a Pennsylvania deer. I mean, that deer is a giant anywhere in the world, but in your home state in the mountains, like that, I mean, it was just that, that wasn't a once in a lifetime. And I knew that, and you knew that. Yep. So I knew going into that, that, you know, that was a total kick right to the balls lack of a better terminology, but that's what it was. I mean, it was actually probably two kicks, but I knew the positive that would come out of it though, would, would be, you would adjust, you would adapt, you would look at it. What I do wrong, what I do, right. We're going to figure it out. And then you go out probably what a month later and end up slamming the biggest, you know, the bit, your biggest buck to date and just yeah. another absolute slob. So, I mean, it all come back full circle, you know, and you could have gave up right there um, and hung it up. And I know a lot of guys that would have hung it up, that have been the end. Um, but honestly, I think it made you kick into another gear grind a little harder, really focus on kind of rewriting your wrong and good things happen, you know, to people that don't give up and can go through adversity and hardships and come out on the other side. I mean, and that's what you had to do. And I mean, you took it to the end of season. I mean, hell you're, you know, you were winding down, um, that was what, December when you killed that buck?
0: Yeah, December 5th by the time. I mean, and up yeah. until that point, like after I had that, that issue or with, not issue, but the opportunity at that really big deer, like I had a couple other opportunities after that at smaller deer that any other year i had been really happy with. But I kept thinking, right. I kept say, I told myself I had a goal and i i needed to stick with it and be okay like it was i had to go all in on it and that's just what i had to do to to make it happen and you know and then it ended up paying off just just what you know waiting it out and just keep going and Keep getting up and keep doing it. And that's, you know, I've said that this so many times on the podcast, but like all the people that I talk to like yourself that are consistently successful, the thing that is always in common is they don't give up and they have good attitudes. And like, that's, that's what it needs to be.
1: Yeah. I mean, and you know, there's things that I've, I've been fortunate to become really good friends with a lot of killers, you know? um, And some of these guys, what I've taken away from them, you know, uh, more so, more or less, isn't isn't the bow setup or um, what kind of pack they run or fast or how they grid a mountain on Onyx. It's how they look at hard times, adversity. How they how they look at a tough situation. How they, you know, can take a negative and turn it into a positive overnight. You know, I mean, um, you, you, I, I was happy to see it. You finally got linked up with Brian Barney, really good yeah. friend of mine. Shout out to Brian over at East, over at the East meets West, over at Easton's <laughs> elevated. Um, him and Bo just collaborated. It, it was good to see, you know, Easton's elevated and East meets West. I was super pumped to see you guys get hooked up and I've been telling Bo for a long time, man, you'll fall in love with that guy. Um, as soon as you talk to him, cause he's just one of those guys that, you know, I've been fortunate to hunt with him multiple times now. And I've got to be really good friends with Brian. And he's just an absolute freaking animal mentally. I mean, physically he's an animal too, but mentally, like if you got in a fist fight with that guy, you'd have to kill him because if he decided you're not killing me, I'm going to wear you down until I can finally kill you. Like he's going to kill you. I mean, I just, he's just an absolute, mental grind monster. I mean, you just, the guy will never quit. You'd have to kill him. You have to break his arms, break his legs. And then he'd try to bite you to death. Like you would have to honestly kill him <laughs> to defeat him. I mean, he's, and, and that's something like, you know, I've kind of been, been hooked on this motto in the last few years. Cause it makes a lot of sense. And I kind of I don't know if brian's ever really said it but but i've picked it up from brian and his good buddy dan hebert who's his main hunting partner i've got to be really good friends with dan as well and we've hunted idaho together and a couple different montana trips together and both those guys you know there is no settling i mean if they set their sights on something um they they will absolutely not settle i mean if they say hey it's gonna be a um a six-point bull or better it's going to be a six point bull or better. Um, you know, settling is quitting in, in, in my book, in my book, settling is giving up. Settling is quitting. I I just, I refuse to settle, um, or let myself be like, well, this isn't really what I wanted, but damn it, I'm on day eight. Like, no, like it's If I wasn't going to kill it on day one, I'm not killing it on day eight. I mean, and, and I've really adapted that to, my shooting regimen, my workouts, when I'm on hunts, like if I say, hey, it's going to be a 170 plus buck or a super, super old, the oldest buck on the mountain, it's got to be one of the two, then it's got to be one of the two. Like, and, that, and, and I'm just, I mean, it's just rock solid for me now, like, because I feel like when people start to play the settle game, you're honestly in a way like you're quitting on the original thought, the original goal, the original plan you've now backtracked on. And you're trying to almost make yourself feel better or you're trying to do something to make yourself feel like you've accomplished something. But really, if you really tear it down and you break it down into the finer, intricate pieces, you, you actually quit on your original thought, your original goal. Like all you did was you settled for something that wasn't really truly what you wanted. And I mean, you know you could use life as an example. I mean, most people aren't going to settle and spend $45,000 and buy a truck that they sort of like. Most people aren't going to marry someone that, eh, I sort of like him. I sort of like her. So on these hunts, like, man, don't settle because the second you fall into that trap, nine out of 10 times, you're going to regret it. And then it starts to become this pattern. You start to get in this pattern of, well, I really need to be at my kids' game tonight, but you know what? I'll make it to the next three. And then it's – I didn't make it to the next one, but damn it, I'll make it to – I mean, once you start to settle in, in life, you're going to adapt to that. And like I said, in my mind, settling is quitting. Don't, don't settle. And on these hunts, it's hard to not have those thoughts, and it's okay to have those thoughts, but you got to be able to harness the mental toughness that you, you possess in your own mind to say, no, I'm going to re I'm going to regroup right now. Negativity entering like, nope, we're not. Nope, 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 nope. We're not leaving early. That buck's not big enough. I wouldn't have shot him two days ago. I'm not shooting him now. That's not what I come here for. Like, you've just got to be able to harness it, get control of it and go back to positive land. And like I said, you know, I've learned that from some of these guys, you know, the the Devin Leonard's, the Brian Barney's, the Dan Hevern's, the Tony Treat, you know, these guys will not settle. Absolutely will not settle. And there's a reason why they're successful. There's a reason why these guys get it done year in, year out. And it's not because they're settling at anything. I mean, I don't care if it's a, a freaking rock skipping competition, or it's chasing a big mule deer, or it's, making sure they're at their kid's volleyball game, whatever the case is, th- there is not a compromise. There's not a settle. If they say they're going to do it, that's the plan. That's what's going to happen. And I think that is extremely important. I-, I think that is more important honestly than even your physical shape is your mental toughness to not quit. Cause I'll take the guy who's not in the greatest shape, but mentally you'd have to kill him to beat him any day over the guy with six pack abs, that can run 47 miles and not stop, but mentally isn't afraid to quit on himself or settle because that guy, at some point, he's going to break. He might look awesome. Sorry, Bo, I'm not trying to call you out. I, I mentioned the six-pack abs and the, all the running. And I, 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 don't, I don't want you to think I'm talking about you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, no, but, but no, I mean, and I've said this before. I'll take the mentally tough guy over the guy that is in peak shape but mentally has not been punched in the mouth with adversity on a hunt or has not been punched in the mouth in life. Like, you know, isn't afraid to per se settle. Like I, like I said, I'll take the guy with the mental toughness any day over the guy who's not afraid to maybe settle or not afraid to kind of quit on himself because that will show up, especially on like a backcountry hunt or a solo hunt. That, like I said, eventually you're going to get punched in the teeth and you better be able to harness the mental side of things. So that, that I agree with you. I mean, those the common traits between killers, that mental game, that is their best attribute. And there's a very solid foundation for why that is and why that produces them punching tags every single year.
0: And it's not even like those, those guys, and, you know, those guys and girls that are like in that type, the type of people that you're talking about and like yourself, it's not like they just start doing that on the hunt. You don't just all of a sudden oh, turn no, it on. No, like this is, absolutely. they live their life that way. You know, it, yep. it's a oh, full on lifestyle of choosing yep. that you're not going to exactly. settle in anything.
1: Yep. Yep. Exactly. I mean, oh yeah. I mean you could get into a paper football flicking contest with Brian Barney and it's going to be life or death. I mean, it's going to be life or death. Like he's not going to want to get beat. I mean, like it's, 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 you know, something that simple, that competitive side, that, that edge, it's going to come out. I mean, but that's just how he is. You know, that's why his business is successful. Um, that's why his podcast is successful. That's why the guy runs all over the country and punches tags with his bow a year in and year out. Like that's, That guy doesn't have a, I'm going to settle button or a, well, I'll pat myself on the back. I tried my best button, but you know what? I'll just, this buck looks okay now. We'll just go ahead and take him home. At least I killed something. No, not that guy. No way. I mean, and you compare it to professional athletes. I mean, it's honestly no different. I mean, professional athletes are one out of a thousand for a reason. I mean, because that mindset, that lifestyle, what they're doing no one else is able to keep up with that. That's why they are getting paid to play a sport professionally. You know, your, your guys that are out punching all these tags, it's not by luck. It's not by surprise. It's not, oh, man, well, if I hunted those spots, like, no, most of these guys, it's public land. It's over-the-counter tags. It's the same stuff that you and I are doing. It's just they are filling damn near every tag because they they have what it possesses and what it takes to get it done. And they just flat out hunt until they get it done. I mean, that's that's the bottom line. I mean, you know, they, they they're gonna make it happen. They need one opportunity and when that opportunity presents itself, that animal's in trouble.
0: Oh yeah, no, hundred percent. So Clint, like when, when you are um, when you were kind of like preparing for your hunts, like say through the, the summer and kind of leading up to it, what are some of the things that you're doing? Like, cause I know you're, you're a very disciplined person and, and you are, you know, you have that, that never quit attitude that you're speaking so highly of everybody else at, but like, how are you, you know, doing that, you know, year round as far as getting ready for these types of things?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think I've adapted from a lot of these people, that lifestyle mentality. I mean, you know, I don't, um, I usually don't get to the gym or get to work out or do anything until later. I've got, you know, two little boys and multiple jobs. And so when I get to the gym, it's usually later. It's after my day's already been put in, I'm tired, I'm stressed. Maybe I'm hungry. You know, quite frankly, maybe I just feel like shit. Cause I'm just ready to go lay in bed and call it a day. But like. That kind of stuff right there, though, making myself go and being like, nope, nope, got to get, you know, got to get this third or fourth workout in uh, the week or whatever it might be. Um, I religiously, I do push-ups in the morning and in the evening, every morning, every evening. Um, sounds silly, but it's a discipline thing. I mean, I brush my teeth in the morning. I go do my push-ups. I get ready for the day. At night, brush my teeth and do push-ups and then go in my bed. Like, that's just, you know, I've kind of developed these little habits and these little things that I do. Um it's just part of my lifestyle, part of my everyday routine. You know, mentally, I'm tired. Mentally, I'm worn out. I, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I don't feel like going to the gym every time I go. I don't feel like putting, I put 65 pounds in my, uh, my kafaru, uh, hoodland last night and went on a three mile hike around my farm at 10 o'clock at night. Did I feel like doing that? I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. No, I wasn't <laughs> jumping up and down to go do that, but I know it needs done. I know it's part of, toughening me up. And, and when I'm on the side of a mountain in a few weeks in Utah chasing mule deer around, I'm going to look back on those nights and be damn happy. I did it because it's going to make me a lot deadlier predator out there than if I wasn't doing it. Um, you know, so that, that kind of stuff I think is important because it puts you, it kind of puts you in adversity weekly. Um, you're sore, you're tired, you're hungry, whatever. Like it's, it's, it's forcing me to be un. it's forcing me to be comfortable in uncomfortable situations. And that's honestly what a lot of my hunts come down to living in the mountains, whether it's solo with your buddy, you're sleeping on the rocks, you're on the side of the mountain sleeping. I don't sleep that great. Typically when I'm out there, um, I'm a very light sleeper, so I don't get a ton of what I would call great sleep out there. I know that. So I try to really be in the best mental and physical shape that I can be in. Cause I already know going into these hunts, I don't sleep, you know, I'm not going to close my eyes and sleep eight straight hours. That just doesn't happen. That's just not, you know, so it's, for me, it's really important that I'm mentally and physically, I'm ready to endure long days, long nights, you know, like I know what lies ahead. So kind of throughout the whole year, I mean, you know, even like shooting my bow, I mean, I'm, I'm a very, very religious on knowing that piece of gear inside and out. I mean, you know, um, if my pin's at 40 and a, and a buck's at 52, like I know where I've got to hold. Do I want to have to make that gap? No. If I need to, I know, like I, I am very, that's a very intricate process for me, setting a sight tape, setting my, you know, my new bow up every year for Matthews, you know, I mean, I love the process of it, um, but it does stress me out at the same time because I've got to learn a whole new system. And, And that takes me a long time to get everything set exactly the way I want it. And you know what I'm talking about? So pretty much every year, you know, you've got the newest prime. So you're kind of in the same deal as me with, with that. But, um, yeah, I think a lot of it is, is just, you know, it's, it's, it's getting into a lifestyle where now I don't have to think about it. Like I know I'm going to do these things, whether I like it or don't like it. And, and sometimes I'm pumped to get to the gym. Sometimes I hate it. Sometimes, Um, I'd rather not go shoot, but I know I need to because in my mind, it's like, well, you know, hey, seasons in two months or seasons in three months or whatever, you know, I've got to go out and get some reps in it. It's just part of what I got to do. So I've kind of adapted that lifestyle. And then mentally, I mean, honestly, I try to think about hard times that I've been in, hard times I could be in. And I try to really harness like, okay, this will suck, but how bad did it suck? And I, I always go back to this. How bad did it suck to drive the 28 hours home after you quit on yourself? And then I start, I immediately revert to, yeah, that sucked way worse. Yep, yeah, nope. So it's like tough situations. I've been there, um, but th- they were never as bad as that, that disappointing drive home where, where I let myself down. So, I mean, I, I, I go back to that like a lot. You know, I, I really try to put myself in, Hey, I'm, I haven't found a mule deer in three days, man, that sucks, but it could be worse. I could quit on myself and I could have to drive 31 hours home by myself from Wyoming, knowing I quit on myself. So like, I, I'm constantly replaying that in my mind because that really has stuck with me on forcing me to always find a positive in a negative and continuing on down the road and, and not putting it in reverse, hitting the brakes and turning around. So I, I think knowing that you're going to face adversity, you're going to get punched in the mouth at some point in time on every one of these hunts, it's going to happen. Um, unless you're the lucky guy that walks out, hikes up the mountain, the, a giant mule deer stands up, you shoot him at 50, he runs back down the hill towards your truck and dies. I'm not that guy. I hope that happens this year. I'd love to be that guy once. It's never happened to me yet, but unless you're that guy, <laughs> chances are, You know, that guy's going to be drinking beer by noon because he just shot his buck at 9 a.m. So he's in really good shape. I've never been that guy yet, but so I'm preparing to be the guy that's grinding on day 8, day 9, day 10, and now I've got my opportunity. So I'm kind of putting my eggs in that basket, but I'm not going to lie. I want to be the damn guy that on day one gets to kill his buck and then he can hit every microbrewery in the surrounding 50-mile radius. Like, I hope I get to be that guy someday. That would be fun. (laughs)
0: <laughs> preparing for the worst, hoping for the best.
1: <laughs> this is exactly, yes, yes. I'm preparing to kill myself for nine days in hopes that someday I'll shoot something on day one and I can go to microbreweries for the next eight days. That, that's, that would be like the, that'd be, that'd be fun. But you know what though? What's, what's weird. It's not weird to me. And this won't sound like you won't think this is weird. There would be part of me though. That would be disappointed that it happened like that because as messed up as this sounds, and for people that don't know me personally, they're going to be like, this guy's lying. But Bo will attest to this because he knows me so well. I love the adversity, and I love to test my metal. I like to get punched in the teeth, per se, and just see how tough I am. Like, that, that honestly is why I love the solo hunt so much, because there's such a degree of difficulty in not even punching your tag, just surviving out there by yourself. And mentally staying in the game, if you can do that for seven, eight days, you have done something that 99% of the hunting world honestly can't do. That's an accomplishment in itself. So
0: yeah, in 99.999% of the regular world.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, people here in Ohio think I am a lunatic nutcase to drive my truck clear across the country to a place I've never been dive off into the mountains by myself go live with you know <clears throat> the lightning the bears depending on where you're at the wolves the the lions blah 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 in hopes of catching up to a mule deer and elk they're like that's just that's ludicrous that makes no sense but for me as twisted as it is like that is fun that's my ufc fight that that's my title fight every year is that go oh, hunt? I usually do at least one a year and I love it for that reason cuz I really get to test myself. So, I'm not going to lie, there'd be part of me that would it'd be awesome to kill day 1. And then there'd be part of me that'd be like, "Man, I didn't really get to like I didn't really get to to get into it. Like, I didn't get punched in the mouth on this one. I didn't get to see hey, you want to do badass stuff? You just got punched in the teeth. Are you still going to be a badass now?" Like, I I didn't get to test that out and see I like that. I like to test that. I like to I like to, uh, test kind of where I'm at on that scale of, okay, you know, here's the plan. Here's the goal. You just got real kicked right in the mouth. Now what are you still, are you still going to do what Clint said you're going to do? Like, I, I like that adversity and you know, this, I mean, we yeah. talked about this and, and might I might sound like a psycho, but, but, but people will relate to this that are like you and I, and a lot of your listeners are going to shake their head. Like they'll understand this. They'll get this. Um, this isn't for everybody. I mean, I think the backcountry solo hunts, they get romanticized um, because they are awesome. Don't get me wrong. But it's second-level fun. You're killing yourself 99% of the time for 1%, a 30-second window that you get to draw your bow or harness, or shoulder your rifle and shoot at something. I mean, and that's honestly what it comes down to. Like, You're, you're, you're basically living like a hobo for days on end in hopes of a 20 second window that your adrenaline rush dumps into your body like never before. And you hopefully get to make a good shot and bring something home. Like that's what it all boils down to. So it's, it's not what I would call type one fun. It's type two. Cause type one fun is like, Hey, I'm going to go to an amusement park. No one's going to break your arm. No one's going to break your arm before you go on a roller coaster ride. You're just going to wait in line and then you're going to go on it. Yeah. You know, you go to a basketball game, no one's going to throw beer on you before you're allowed to get in the arena. You know, it's, it's type one fun. Type two fun's a little bit different. Type two fun is this. Like, you're going to endure the suck, you're going to embrace the struggle, and then you might get to have a little bit of fun. That's kind of how I break down type one and type two fun.
0: That, that's a very accurate description of it, and you got to love type two if you're doing these types of hunts. <laughs> there's, well, there's no doubt you know, about it.
1: Psychos like you and I—we like type two fun, uh, and, and that's good. That's you know, we need people like us in the world, Bo.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, at least we can tell ourselves that.
1: <laughs> well, hey, like I said, you know, I don't tell everybody this, but talking to myself is probably my number one strategy. You know, you're like, hey, Clint, you're really not a psycho. Don't you know? I know people think that, but don't think that you're normal. Everybody thinks like this. It's fine. Like you, you got to talk yourself right out of it or right into it.
0: Yeah. And yeah, you, I, one, you're good at talking. So two, I don't, I don't, uh, I I don't, Think that, I definitely know you're not lying. I can tell you that much, and like, and I, I know, like, for myself, when I'm when I'm by myself hunting in any way, or even if I'm with people, but I'm there, I'm talking to myself in my own head about, yep. like, you yep. have to, like, and just it's just you know, the, you know. the one point that I'll say about, like, when you were talking about, you know, how bad it hurts when you quit, like the afterthought of that versus that bad time that you're in that tough moment at that moment seems really bad, but that ends a lot faster than if you have to live with regret of something.
1: Oh, absolutely. And I mean, you know, last year when you had that buck in so close and wasn't able to get him killed, you know, that was a turning point for you in the season. I mean, you could have right there been like, well, we're just going to hang it up come January you would have been calling me crying every day. Why did you let me quit? Why did you not drive to my house? You know where I live, Clint? Beat the piss out of me. Make me put my stuff on and keep hunting. Like, I, like guaranteed you would have been so upset with yourself. And then you gotta wait till the whole following year to redeem yourself. Instead, you had your moment, you had your few days where it stung, it hurt, but you made the decision to kick it in another gear, bust adversity in the mouth and move forward. And I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's huge. I mean, and you know, you've got a really challenging mule deer hunt coming up this year. Um, A unit I've been in, a unit I've killed in, a unit that I love, but it's steep. It's deep. It's got a lot of cliffs. It's got a lot of rock. It's, you know, it is a tough place to live and survive in um, for us mule deer love it elk are in there everywhere i mean it's it's one of those units that i mean you know game thrives in there um not really built for us (laughs) but you know going into this you know mentally physically like what you've got to do and where you've got to be and like i think that that makes it fun like you already know you've got this big whatever you want to call it your super bowl your title fight however you want to look at it in front of you you're going to get yourself as prepared as you can. But what it, what it's all going to boil down to is on day five, when something bad takes place, how you're going to react to that and the decision you're going to make. And, and I know you, you know, you don't have the settle button. You don't have the quit button. You know, I know you're going to flip it around and grab another gear and hit it even harder than you did, did the day before. And that's why you're successful with this podcast in life, you know, um, you know, just in, in, in hunting or even just, like I said, in life with your business, with your jobs, et cetera, people that have that mentality versus people that don't, you're going to see a huge swing and difference in success versus no success um, in what they do. And I've always said, you look at someone's group of friends and I can probably damn near tell you what they're like. And, you know, you run with a very similar group to yourself you know, motivated people, people that are, are, are very fortunate to have the opportunities that have been put in front of them, but they're opportunities that they've gained, they've dug and grinded for. And that's same with you, you know, that's, that's where you're at. And, and I like to think my circle's kind of the exact same way. Like, you know, it's a bunch of blue collar guys and girls that are out there chasing dreams and, and trying to bust down barriers in their own world to be able to do and accomplish what they want. And if you don't dream and if you don't have these passion and desires and, and these intuitions to to go out and really strive to obtain something that most think is unobtainable, what the hell are you really living for? I mean I mean all jokes aside, like what are you what are you really doing in life if you're not striving for something or you're not completely obsessed with accomplishing or or doing something in the world, um I don't care if it's being the greatest yo-yoer or a professional athlete or, I mean, for four years for me it was kill a freaking mule deer solo in Colorado. I mean that was the only thing that mattered outside of, you know, I and my oldest son at the time. Outside of him, the only thing that mattered was literally getting the freaking mule deer monkey off my back, and that was like, that's all it mattered. You know, what I mean, but but it was so fun to chase that. And then once I accomplished that, then it was like okay, well, here's the next thing. And, and here's the next thing. And it, it just, it's a snowball effect. And you can pick out the people in the crowd that have that mentality, you know, and I'm fortunate to call you a good buddy and, and be able to sit here and say that you've got that. And it's fun to watch that unfold throughout the season. You know, last year, I knew you wasn't going to give up. I knew you'd figure out a way to make it happen. And that's exactly, I was not surprised when the texts come in, just killed biggest buck of my life. I don't have service right now. I'll get you a picture as soon as I can. Yeah, yeah you were you were one of I the mean, like, first people
0: that I texted, and it's funny because like yeah. you and I like when we we can we can go you know a month or so without talking. Yep. And but when like yep. those moments hit, like where we have success or we have or a problem, like usually we're the we call each other first, and we're like you know it, it's just we mesh in that that sort of way in a you know yeah, I don't know how to, how to put it, but it's like, it's... And, and like I said, when you surround yourself by those types of people, like my friends here are like that. My friends like you and the others yep. that I've met, you know, through the hunting space that are that way, I mean... I I look up to all of them. Like I like surrounding myself with people that are better than me because that's what helps me strive to, to be better and be able to, to find that within. Like I know this mule deer hunt is probably going to be the hardest hunt that I've had to do up to this point. And I've acknowledged that. And I don't, that doesn't mean like, Oh, okay, well I'm going to settle for, you know, not succeeding in it. And I don't mean that even just by filling a tag, but I'm going to work my freaking ass off. And I have been with preparing for it and understanding those challenges and, and figuring out how to do it. I mean, you and I were on parallel paths when you were striving for a mule deer and I was striving for an elk. Like we both killed within two weeks of each other in our fourth (laughs) year. And, uh, I remember that in reach text to you and the explicit response in all capitals that you had back to me. Like it was, I, I remember that like it was yesterday
1: yep I still have that I've got that saved on my uh my in-reach mini well,
0: <laughs> i'm uh, I'm pissed because my in-reach mini just broke and they're they're sending me a, a replacement but I was like man I'm gonna lose those text messages like I actually like when I'm on these hunts and I'm in those points where I'm like you know say bored essentially on a on a hunt I go through all those old text messages yep. and uh just laugh at them because like, they're hilarious
1: yeah it's funny to go back through that stuff and yeah it's um yeah, man, I'm I'm pumped for you. I'm excited for you. That's going to be fun to uh, see what you guys get into, and 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 it's been fun to uh, try to, you know, share my knowledge and and try to help you as best I can. And it's going to be fun to see what you guys find and what you guys get into because you guys will be in some different areas, some similar areas, and and it, it's different from year to year. So it'll yeah, man, I'm excited. I'm super stoked. You guys got that tag, and really looking forward to. Seeing how that hunt pans out, and and I know you guys will put yourself in position to be successful, and you know hopefully it comes down to just making a shot for you, and and then it's hey, it's all up to you then, my friend. You know what I mean? But yep. I, I definitely think you guys will find a way to get opportunities and, and and get in position to make good plays, and you know this is your first mule deer hunt, and it's something that I've, you've heard me talk about now for five six years. I mean I'm just obsessed with it, and I'm interested to see um you you have more of a love for elk hunting um right now for sure than mule deer hunting but you've never went on a mule deer hunt yet so for me man it i would probably have to give the nod to mule deer but elk would be a super close second but i'm interested to see though like what the parallels and the parameters are between okay I love elk hunting, but I've never went mule deer hunting. Now I'm going to go to this, this spot, this unit's, I would say, top three most beautiful places I've ever been to in the West. And I've been fortunate to hunt in a lot of states and a lot of beautiful units. It might be top two. I mean, I I can't really think of any place that I could say is prettier there might be some spots that are a little easier to get into that are close to as pretty so that would make them maybe a little a little little prettier (laughs) yeah right right but overall i mean yeah i'm I'm excited man to see kind of how you're gonna look at okay so big is the gap do you still love elk hunting more now that you've done both or do you think you're going to get into mule deer maybe a little bit more and give that a nod? Like I'm just, I'm excited to see, man. I I think you're going to love it. I think you're going to fall in love with it. I think you're going to be like me and you're going to look at mule deer tags every year and elk tags. It's going to be a toss up. Like one's going to maybe have a slight advantage over the other, but I think it's going to be really close, man. I, I really do. Like I think you're going to fall in love with, uh, with the chess match and with Jason velvet around, I, I, uh, I look for you to really thoroughly enjoy yourself and have a kick-ass time over there.
0: Yeah, dude. I, I, I don't want to say it until I experience it, but like, I just have this, I've been wanting to mule deer hunt for years, but I had the, I needed yep. to do the elk thing. And I needed to get that done. Yep. I started that and I couldn't quit without finishing what I was there to start. Yep. And, and Absolutely. I, and, but I just, I just feel like I'm going to love mule deer hunting. I don't know. It just, yeah. I, I, after I started the last two years ago on a where I could glass more, which I had never done in the first few years yep. at elk hunting. Like I'm like, I love yep. watching the, the world wake up essentially in the mornings or, or getting oh, yeah. ready to go to bed, I guess, and waking up in the evenings. And, and it's, yep. it's, it's going to be fun. Like I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to it. But Clint I wanted to um w- when we were when you were talking about last year with that snowstorm that put you out of place you went back out to Utah and had a hell of an elk hunt so do you want to give a rundown of that before before we close things out
1: yeah so I I um I drew drew a tag um I mean it's it's really no secret where I was at I was on the front um and Probably I'm going to have to say the most highly pressured unit in the West. If it's not number one, it's got to be top two, um, unlimited over the counter tags. I did not draw the bull tag that I wanted in Utah, um, limited. I did not draw, um, a Wyoming bull tag. So I said, okay, well, I hunted the front a couple times for mule deer and stuff. I thought, well, I'm going to give it hell, um, I got a good system of buddies out there, you know, my, Devin Leonard's out there and my good buddy, Jason, shout out to Jason, um, over at Crispy and Black Ovis, um, Jason Mackey, you know, those guys I've got to be really close with. I love going over there and hunting with them. I love being able to catch up with those guys. So I was like, you know what, I was going to kind of mix i was gonna do some solo stuff i was gonna hunt with those guys some and i'm just like man you know i'm just gonna give it hell and and i knew going into it it was going to be rough because i've hunted that unit and i know what it's like ton of people um i got in there on a thursday um didn't see or hear anything my philosophy was to get up around three o'clock in the morning run ridge lines if i was going to do any calling then um If I was going to do any calling, it was going to be in the mornings early, try to locate some bulls and then basically coyote the herd and stay silent all throughout the rest of the early morning. And then once it cracked daylight, hopefully be in position to start making plays then. Excuse me. Um, Because the pressure is so high over there, you know, um, the general way to hunt elk or the fun way to hunt elk is to set up and call and call a bull in or, you know, play that game. Um, on this unit, you may as well not even, I mean, outside of calling at night, there's really no point of even bringing elk calls with you. Um, those bulls shut off the second the lights come on, they, they, they know the game. Um, on Friday, I ran into 19 hunters or excuse me, it was either 17 or 19. I kind of, I, I might've have, it was one of the two, 17 or 19 different hunters I either talked to waved at or saw through the glass. So like hundred percent different hunters. Everyone had a bugle tube. Ninety percent of them every ten minutes was bugling, cow mewing, um, doing something, raking. Um basically the philosophy was find a bull in the dark, get in on that herd, play the wind, skirt the herd and and try to be in there kind of in their wheelhouse, beat them back to bed or sneak in in the morning um, right at first light and get an arrow in one so the first few days pretty much i didn't see an elk thursday friday Sa- i didn't hear a bull till early saturday morning heard two bugles didn't see a bull um until sunday ran into a few cows monday got hooked up with my buddy jason he was able to do some hunting sunday monday we we did We checked one of his spots, um, and it was loaded with elk sign. And we figured they had gotten pressured into this little piece of public. Um, They were in there right now, so we knew we had to strike when the iron was hot. So Monday and Tuesday, I was going to focus in there. Got within 71 yards of the bull ended up killing. He had – there was two satellites in there with him and 30 cows and calves. Um, Full draw, 71 Every time I needed him to stop, he would nudge a cow with his antlers and keep on moving. It was just like he knew not to stop. I mean, I was yelling. I was whistling. I mean, I I could not get this bull to, um, that would have been like day six at that point in time. I really thought that was my opportunity. I mean, I had grinded. You know, I went four or five days and did not see or hear an elk, or sorry, heard two bugles in one morning, but hadn't actually seen elk for the first five days. So it was pretty, it was tough. I mean, it, it's, and like I said, I don't want to romanticize um, elk hunting in any way, shape, or form because it is tough, but this unit is particularly tough because there's just so many people and so much pressure. The elk are just so turned on to hunting pressure. Uh, but I really thought that was my opportunity. Um, that was, that was really a kick kick to the guts. Um, just so happens that day, um, Barney killed a really good bull. I believe in Idaho, he called me and it was funny because he's on cloud nine. I feel like I just broke my arms and my legs. And so I'm, I'm like feeding, I'm pumped up now. Cause I'm feeding off his success. I'm telling him my story after he tells me about his bull. And he's like, dude, man, you're in there with him. You're close. Like it's going to happen, man. Like you got to, you know, you got typical Brian fashion, dude, you, you, got to stick in it. You got to stick with it. Like, you know, you took a punch to the mouth, but tomorrow's your knockout. Like it's going to happen, man. You got to, you got to regroup, get back up. So, you know, the next morning I got up super early, um, and, and same philosophy, you know, running some of these knife ridges. I dropped down in the timber a little further because the pressure had pushed the elk, the whole herd further and further down the mountain. So I kept kind of going down as well. And I wasn't even starting on top now. I was kind of running like the finger ridges and the knife ridges that are kind of, you know, further down the mountain off the top, got back into that same herd. And as luck would have it ended up getting back in on that bull. Um, Wasn't able to put a play on him that day, but I got to watch what he did. It was, it was very, it was super interesting. And this is a good reminder for me, for anyone listening. So there was a couple, hunters that had spotted that bull they were down in this meadow below me um he was by himself that morning but there were other satellites around and they were all kind of bugling back and forth he had 30 cows and calves with him the second that a hunter started to bugle now mind you i could tell it was a hunter so not being mean i hope hopefully this guy's not listening i don't know who he was but he was awful at bugling that elk that bull could tell It was a hunter. Now he bugled back twice at what we're going to call it Hunter Z in his shitty bugle call. He, He bugles twice at Hunter Z, okay? Hunter Z is to the north. The second that that bull realized, okay, this is not a real elk, this is a hunter, he shut up, he rounded up the entire harem, and took them immediately to the dark timber. 180 degrees due south of where the hunter was okay so completely the opposite direction never made another peep now once he got in the dark timber he bugled once or twice i'm assuming they were all getting ready to bed down that was the end so the next day jason was able to go back in with me and devin they were able to hunt that day and i told him i said If this bull starts in bugling, I said, we're just going to stay quiet. The only time we're going to bugle is if he would shut up and I need to know where he's at. And we're only going to get a few opportunities to get him to bugle. Cause I mean, I consider myself pretty decent at bugling. Those guys are both pretty good, but let's just be honest. It's hard to sound to a mature herd bull. It's hard to fool them. I mean, a bull that's been around eight, nine, 10 years, it's pretty hard to fool them. So, long story short, we find this bull in the morning. He shuts up. I'm trying to make a play. Jason bugles twice. This bull answers twice. That gives me enough of a location to figure out where he's heading. I know what's going to happen. I know he's going to take that harem and go directly away from where the bugle's coming from. So I'm already beating my ass like as fast as I can get. I'm already heading to this saddle. I'm like, he's going to take this harem up and over into dark timber. Like He, he already knows the game. I'm going to beat him there. And that's what I did. I got there. All the cows and calves are filtering through 45 yards, 46 yards, 44 yards. He's the last one. I'm at full draw, 46 yards. Here they come. And as luck would have it, a cow and a calf in the very back break off. Like both of them tear off down the hill. And now in my mind, I'm like, no, like, gee, like, no, 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 no. I let down. I know what's going to happen. He takes off. He rounds them up. Now I'm ranging 75, 76, 74. Okay. There's this, there's an opening between two trees. There's a trail right behind it. 76 set my slider. I'm like, all right, Clint, you know, 46, 76. It's no different. Put the pin six inches behind the shoulder, bury it, and freaking kill this bull. Here's your opportunity. It's day eight. This is it. Like, you're not going to get a third chance. This is it's now or never right now. I remember coming back to full draw, burying that pin, and I just remember thinking, like, you know, get this bull to stop. When he stops, he, he has no clue you're there. Wind's in your face, thermals are in your face. Settle the pin, push and pull the bow apart. This bull's dead. And that's exactly what I did. And I watched that arrow bury into a dark spot of hair about five inches behind the shoulder complete pass through he tears off about 70 yards sounds like a helicopter crashes just completely ass over tin cup he's done double lung I mean it's it's probably one of the most iconic moments thus far in my bow hunting career because there was so much pressure riding on that moment it was day eight this is the second time I've had this bull within 80 yards I mean I know I can make that shot um, the animal's calm, no idea I'm there. I get him stopped I'm at full draw. I give him a little cow mule, you know, just a little eh! and getting to stop. He looks away. I mean, everything's perfect. All I got to do now is go back to my backyard. Like I'm in my flip flops and make a shot. And, and I was able to keep it together and do exactly just that. Um, and so that, that hunt will mean a lot to me, um, forever because it's such a pressured unit it's such a tough unit to kill a herd bull, um, on day eight, you know, I had both my good buddies there, you know, they were part of it. I mean, it was just, it was a, we all got to pack it out together. I mean, just one of the funnest days on the mountain I'll probably ever have. And to share it with a bunch of good buddies packing that bull out, um, man, it was just, you know, that's one of those moments that you just live for as a bow hunter, uh, especially when you get to involve, you know, a bunch of good friends, um, yeah. Gosh, dang, man. I got goosebumps just thinking about it. Like just putting myself back at that moment. Like it was, uh, yeah, it's just one of those moments that will be ingrained in you forever, but it's fun to build off that. Like, I know that feeling, I know what that felt like, like, man, you just get hungry for those moments. I mean, and you know what I'm talking about, you know, yeah. you've killed enough big white tails and, and your first bull and turkeys and just, you know, you grind and grind and grind and grind and you finally get to pull the trigger and you make a perfect shot. And you get to accomplish the goal and you enjoy it for a little bit but then the hunger sets back in and then you're like man that was awesome but now i got to do it again and i think that is why you're michael jordans and you're tom bradys of the world i'm a, i'm a sports nut so i revert back to sports a lot but this is why in my opinion there will never be a, a, another michael jordan and there'll never be another tom brady and i hate tom brady i, I absolutely i hate the patriots hate the buccaneers but the guy is a killer. I mean, he's never satisfied and he just strives for that moment. I mean, he accomplishes a goal and then it's on to the next. He celebrates for a day and then, okay, well, if I won my sixth Super Bowl. How do I get my seventh? You know, Michael Jordan, yep, won my third ring. How do I get my fourth? How do I get my fifth? How do I get my, I mean, they just had that killer mentality and they were never satisfied. They were, and that's why those two in my opinion will go down as, as the goats of all time in sports I mean the mentality that they had it, they were just never settled but that's what allowed them to do so much in their collective sports and be so successful is just that edge that killer mentality so for me it's like I, I chase those moments man I think back to how good that felt how awesome that was and it, it just makes me hungry like Gosh, damn, I just can't wait to get this season going, man. And it's fun when you've got buddies with really good tags like, you know, uh, you. I'm going to Wyoming with um, one of my best friends, Kurt Geyer. Shout out to Kurt and all the boys over at Working Class Bowhunter Podcast. I'm going with him. Me and Devin's going to help him. He drew a um, really, really, really good Wyoming mule deer tag. And, you know, we're going to go in with him and try to help him fill that tag. And he lost his dad this past spring to uh, to COVID. Um, and very unexpected, um, Papa Dave was really close with him. Um, huge supporter of me and, and, and whatnot, and it's going to be over his birthday. So there's just so, it's such a special meaning behind that. I've got some really good tags myself and Devin's got some good tags and, you know, it's man, you just start building off all this. Like you want your buddies to be in these moments and be able to feel that success. And, and I've been there and like, I want, you know, I get as, as excited, if not more excited, like I'll be on pins and needles while you're on your hunt. And I'm going to be on a hunt at the same time. I'll probably be more nervous to hear from you guys than I will be my own success. Just because like, uh, you know, I'm going to be anticipating that in-reach text, like of, you know, Hey, so-and-so killed her. I killed her, you know, uh, I I just, yeah, man. Like it's just, I build off those moments of success, but I'm always hungry. I'm never satisfied. And, and I know you're like-minded just like that. So it's just fun to build off hunts like that and kind of refer back to those on, yeah, that was awesome, but we got to do it again. Like, you know, I I can't wait for you to kill your first muley, for Kurt to kill on this Wyoming tag. Like, I just, I can't wait to experience that stuff uh, and, and be able to have a small part in those moments because they are so special. Um, yeah, man, I'm just... Yeah, I'm freaking rambling now because I'm just getting freaking jacked. I'm just pumped, dude. I can't wait.
0: Oh, my. I know. And no, no, what we're going to have to do is, all right, so with me, Mason, and Michael, we're going to kill Muley's. You're going to kill Muoli. Kurt's going to kill Muley. We're going to have to get one big group podcast yeah. together and talk about it.
1: Oh, dude, <laughs> that would be, we. I'm holding you to that because that would be epic as all get out, man. That'd be so much fun. We got to make that happen. Win, lose, or draw, we need to do it and talk about your experience kurt's experience my experience on being on a hunt with buddies then going straight to a solo hunt i mean that's going to be kind of a um a change of mind pace for me so you know yeah man that that would be awesome i think people would really enjoy it and you know what hey i'm going to say it lightly i mean even if people don't enjoy it to hell with them because i think it'd be fun as shit to do it
0: yeah i agree that'd be awesome man
1: (laughs) and i'm sure your listeners would enjoy it but just i'm I'm just kidding i'm sure people would really enjoy that so many different aspects with mule deer being the main focus i mean if we have to let mason on i guess we let him on i mean i don't really want mason to come on but if we have to we have to it is what it is yeah
0: sometimes you gotta bite the bullet just uh just to deal with it and not have to yeah not have to deal with him really
1: Duh. Shout out, shout out to old Mason. Uh, so that's Bo's, that, what, first cousin, right? Yeah, yep,
0: yeah. first cousin.
1: Yep, yep, yep. So I, I've got to be really good friends with Mason through Bo, and uh, I actually was one of his first calls last year when he shot a really good buck in Utah. I was out there at the same time, and, um, oh, man, he was so pumped. Gosh dang, was he excited. That was awesome. <laughs> that was uh, That was a fun phone call. I mean, you know, Mason's pretty low-key, but – he was going so fast. I thought it was me talking for a second. He was rambling and going so fast, dude, 99 mile an hour. I had to tell him at one point, hey, you got to slow down. I don't even know what you just said. All I know is you killed something. Like, yeah. It was awesome, though, man. That was.
0: <laughs> yeah, like Mason is like the most like calm person that you can right. ever meet. And then and in that moment. Mine, yeah, <laughs> I know.
1: It was awesome. It was awesome
0: uh you know it's funny because mason and i um you know we're first cousins we're hunting partners and now we work together and have to work with each other every single day nine to ten hours a day and then we come home shoot bows and do we don't we don't live (laughs) together but we we spend a lot of time uh together so it's 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 cool
1: (laughs) now do you do you guys like have bunk, bunk beds or shower together or anything interesting like that? Or haven't got, to, haven't quite got to like that level yet or no?
0: I mean, bunk beds, honestly, I mean, I know it's, it's convenient, but like just, just one queen usually does the trick. So that's kind of the way that we've, you know, we've rolled. And, uh, I, I just, I won't comment on the shower thing because they're on a, on a podcast here, but this,
1: this all, this all makes sense. No wonder I've heard from Colby so much in the last few months. She's lonely, Bo. She's lonely. <laughs> Can
0: you quit talking to my girlfriend?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait. I I don't know if she listens to all of them or not, but I really hope she listens to this one so I can get that text or the, the, the message on Instagram of, Really, Clint? With about a hundred question marks? Yeah. I'm, I'm going to wait for it. <laughs> well,
0: I'm going to have to make her listen to it because I I don't think she listens to any of them. So
1: I'll <laughs> I'll I'll Come make sure on, she Colby.
0: <laughs> 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 oh well, Clint. You good luck. You got you have a you start off in Utah, then you go up to Wyoming to help Kurt, and then you got Colorado, yep. and then you go to Idaho. Yep. Right, Idaho next for elk.
1: I got. No, I've got, I didn't draw my Idaho elk tag. Um, so Uh-oh. I've got a, another Utah. I got another Utah over the counter tag. Um, so, yeah, man, it's going to be fun. And then I'll probably go back out. If I don't fill my early season yuli um, tag, I can hunt the extended archery hunt in the rut, which even if I do kill early, I'll still go out and help Devin and Jason and all my buddies because that is a blast, man. Anyone that's never hunted, Everyone thinks I'm nuts because I'm from the Midwest and I leave to go chase the mule deer rut instead of the whitetail rut. If you guys think the whitetail rut is fun, um, go chase mule deer around in the rut. Um, you will drastically change your opinion on that. I will take mule deer in November any day over the whitetail rut hands down. And not even a question like that, that is one of my funnest hunts of the entire year. It might be the funnest hunt. Um, that's just a blast, man. With or without a tag, like, I, I will do that hunt every single year, either in Idaho or Utah, um, for as long as I can do them or as long as I'm alive. I mean, it's, it is, uh, that's one we're going to have to hook up and do sometimes yeah. because I know you love the rut. And um, the muley rut, dude, it is, like, when it's on, it is freaking on.
0: Oh man, I, I, I know that's one of the, one of those hunts that I really want to do along with many others. But that one is like, after hearing you talk about it, it's like, I, I need to, I need to make that happen as well. And coming from you, who's like, you know, for any, so, for anyone that somehow hasn't listened to you talk before and stuff, you're a whitetail nut too. And for you to leave the whitetail oh, yeah. woods to yep. go chase or in the rut, that means oh, nothing. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I mean. I'm the guy that used to take off the whole month of November and spend 17, 18, 19 days, dark till dark, whatever it took to get it done. And now I mean, Oh yeah, Nope. I'm good. I'll kill early or kill late or whatever. Like I'm a, i am a, yeah, that, that mule deer game in November, man, watching those gray ghosts all puffed up and, and fight to the death like they will. I mean, yeah, that, watching it through the glass and watching bucks come from all over to chase a hot doe that's down in the Canyon or a group of does that's coming. I mean, it is just to see it all unfold and then try to make a play and cut them off or they bed down and you're trying to sneak in. And I mean, it just, it's just those hunts that you never know what's going to happen and you never know when or where it's going to happen. It's, it's like at any moment, uh, giant can come up over top of a hill rutting a doe or in search of a hot doe or by himself looking for the next hot doe. I mean, it's, it's, it's just one of those hunts where it's like at any moment, I mean, I mean, every hunt at any moment in time could be the moment, but like literally on those rut hunts, man, there are so many deer doing so many different things at one time that it just makes it such a fun, you know, you could see no deer for two hours. And then in the next hour, see 10 different bucks, three buck fights and two does get bred all in a 60-minute span. I mean, that's just – just it's it's incredible to watch it, um, you know, and it's incredible to be a part of that. Um, it's just a very intense, you know, time frame um, in a mule deer's life, and it's, it's just fun to be out there, man. Like, yeah, we're definitely going to have to hook up and do one of those. I think you would – unfortunately, it would take a little bit away from your typical whitetail rut hunt in a saddle or in a stand in Pennsylvania. Ohio. I'm just going to break the news to you right now. It's going to take away from that a little bit. I'm just, just prepare yourself. It's it's going to make it a little bit harder to sit in a tree and not want to get down, use the glass and then tear off across the mountain and go cut a buck off.
0: I know I'm going to have to get better at killing early or late, I guess. <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, you know what they say in Pennsylvania, I mean, you know, the spotlight game is is kind of where you need to be. I mean, that's the best way to kill them early is, you know, get them with that spotlight thing and you guys can use the rifles and I'm kidding. I'm just, I'm completely 110% <laughs> kidding before someone calls in and gets all pissed. It's a it's a joke. You are allowed to legally spotlight in Pennsylvania. You're not in Ohio. So I always give bullshit about the spotlight game. But yeah yeah don't please don't go out and shoot deer in front of the spotlight and then <laughs> quote me and bo on a podcast and say that's what you were told to do because i'm 100 percent kidding so nobody get their panties all in a riff i it was i'm just joking well you're changing
0: normally you wouldn't apologize or even say that you're joking
1: <laughs> well I, in today's world it's like you almost have to clarify now so that way someone's feelings don't get hurt or someone doesn't get super upset you know it's, it's, it's almost kind of fun to apologize first like that almost offends more people now than if you don't do it so it's it's almost kind of like a it's a 50 50 split there yeah
0: (laughs) well hey clint thank you for coming on and talking again here we do i mean 100 percent. when you get back from some of these hunts we need to catch up and just do a a season recap and talk about it when it's nice and fresh in our minds
1: oh that'd be awesome man we're both gonna have some kick-ass adventures and have a lot of fun, and hopefully punch some tags, and and more importantly, just enjoy enjoy these tags and enjoy the places they're going to take us, and yeah, man, it's going to be fun. I can't wait to get it going, so um, as always, we're always in touch, but yeah, man, I'm pumped for you guys out there in Colorado. I'm really looking forward to how you guys do over there, and it's going to be fun to keep up, uh, keep up with all you guys on the season and whatnot, so wish you Wish you all the best, and uh, we'll definitely uh, be in touch as always, my friend. Can't thank you enough for having me on.
0: Yeah, we'll have the charge it up and and hopefully working hard when we're uh, when we're getting all these techs, getting each other fired up. So uh, that's for sure, Clint. Where can where can people find if they're they're not following along with your stuff already? Where can they find you at?
1: Yeah, so I write um, full time over at uh, shout out to Petersons Bow Hunting, um, Christian Berg and Jeff Warren and the gang over there. Um, pretty much every issue there. Uh, fortunate to, to this is I think my fourth or fifth year now. Pretty much full time with those guys. Um, still do quite a bit for um, blogs on Onyx and Go Hunt and whatnot. You can find me on um, on their websites. Podcast man, I'm, I'm kind of I'm all over the map. I mean, um, blessed to be able to get on with with you and Easton's elevated Brian Barney. And I do a bunch of work with Kurt and the gang over at working class bow hunter and, and whatnot. So, you know, you, multiple platforms on, on the, uh, I guess you could kind of call me. I've, I've been called, uh, shout out to old Doug, um, from work from WCB. He he called me the podcast whore. Oh, that's been a year or two ago. And that's kind of stuck. I, at first I took offense to it and then I thought, well, I mean, it is sort of fitting. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't really take offense to it. I, I kind of embraced it actually, but, uh, <laughs> Yeah, so, so I'm kind of all over the map uh when it comes to the podcast game, but I really enjoy jumping on with you um in this platform, Bo, and like I said can't uh can't thank you enough. Instagram, Casper Clint, uh Facebook, I don't use it a ton, but when I am on there, um, just Clint Casper, so I I refuse to tweet and I don't have any of the other forms. Uh oh no, I guess I do have a What's the other thing you and I have that we never use?
0: TikTok. TikTok.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. TikTok. Yeah, you can tell. You can tell I use that a lot. Um, so yeah, pretty much Instagram is, is probably about the only one I really take serious. So.
0: <laughs> oh, awesome. Well, everybody, go check him out because if you're feeling down and Clint has a post up, it'll bring you up. I can promise you that.
1: <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Now I can tell. Now I can tell that every time you look at my stuff, you've been drinking. Well, Yeah, I I, I drink quite a bit. Well, thanks again, Bo. I really appreciate it, my man.
0: All right. We'll see you, Clint.
1: Thanks so much for listening to this episode of East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit eastmeetswesthunt.com, Facebook at East Meets West Outdoors, and Instagram at East Meets West Hunt. If you enjoyed today's episode, please review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time.